A smart person learns from their mistakes. A wise person learns from others' mistakes. Welcome to the My Mistakes Podcast. We cover the lessons learned from the mistakes we've made in business so you won't do the same. I'm Chris Chanchuli. Many people don't take the easy road in life. And until you're broken, you don't know what you're made of. I'm Sean Rosenfeld, and I'll be asking questions to understand why Chris did what he did and what he learned from it. A special thanks to our sponsor, Don Pablo. Coffee has never tasted this good. Available at DonPabloCoffee.com or on Amazon. If you listen to episode 11 of the My Mistakes podcast, you know where we're picking up from. Here I was, way in debt, going into my new business venture, that being making the move a couple blocks down the street, taking my clients, taking two trainers, them taking whatever clients would come, spending somewhere around twenty dollars to $25,000 doing an addition to the lower level of this personal training studio in which we are going to have an aerobics room as well as a room for massage therapists to sublet space out of. Yet the massage therapist never came, so wasted money there. And I did not have nearly enough money coming in from the clients that came to pay the trainers and to take money home to then pay any bills. So I wasn't sure what to do next because here I'd signed a three-year agreement with the two guys that I was partnering up with. And what I explained last time is I wasn't going to be partners in their business. I was going to be partners on the space. So they had their own business and I had mine. It did not play out as I thought it was going to in my head at the time, but Again, to review, I was also addicted to prescription painkillers, and I wasn't thinking with a very clear, rational mind to begin with. Wasn't sure what I was going to do because I had my usual expenses. I was in a marriage that was on a downward spiral, or I don't know what goes faster than a downward spiral, kind of like an airplane going straight down to the ground. It was going to be a catastrophe. And that was giving me a fair amount of stress, you could say, on a daily basis. So between the stress of being in an unhappy marriage, in addition to an addiction to painkillers, in addition to not having enough clients coming in to pay the trainers, myself, and cover the overhead, which I guess I should have said that part first. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And anyone that's ever dealt with a drug addiction also knows that it can get rather expensive. And if you don't have enough money coming in, then you can't cover those costs. And as I said a minute ago, overhead, rent, all those things should be the first thing to get paid. But when you throw in the wild card of a drug habit, that sometimes can get in the way of other bills as well. But I digress. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do to come up with the additional funds to pay for my life. 
in my mind, I was thinking, could I drive a cab? Is there anything of value that I can sell? And this wasn't like typical junkie selling everything in their house so they can go buy a crack rock or something along those lines. This was me looking at how could I have money for living? And this was definitely a scary time in my life. And when I started developing tremendous anxiety over the fact that when you get to a realization that you can't afford to live, it's scary. So I thought to myself, I need to try to bring in more clients. Thinking about other things that I could do, I said, what am I doing? Let me bring in more clients. So at this point, I started doing some marketing, I mean, cheap marketing, where it was going to be investing or running ads. And this is going back to 2007 into 2008. So this isn't a time, Twitter was brand new. I remember I had a client telling me about Twitter and he had a business and he was telling me how it was really good for promoting the business. So I wasn't doing any of that kind of marketing. I was going door to door. I was trying to do promos with hair salons to say, let's put together a package for your clients. They could then come to train. We could do makeover packages. I was going to bridal shops, putting up promos for get in shape for your wedding, finding any kind of way to work with someone who could provide referrals, chiropractors, physical therapists, and I had no luck whatsoever. I even spent money on little plastic holders to hold up the promo or what I had in mind. And some of the shop owners were willing to hold on to it, think about it. I ended up taking those and making it into little stands to then have a raffle where you could raffle off and win five personal training sessions. Then I was going to take those leads, contact them, tell them they won the second prize, which is two complimentary sessions to get them in the door so that I could try to sell them on training, but did not go well. So my next move was to figure where else could I get some clients so that I would be able to make money to pay for my bills. I wasn't thinking the overhead of the training facility. In my head, I was thinking anything I make from clients in here will go toward that. But anything I make outside of here will be mine. So that being said, I started with a couple in-home clients to where I was going to their house to do the training, going with a couple basic pieces of equipment. And because I had a fair amount of equipment having a training studio, I had, let's say, 20 stability balls and 20 medicine balls. So I would leave some of my items at the client's homes, which I would never get back from them if they stopped being a client or when I couldn't train them anymore. So now put that again into the category of money lost or anything that's an asset lost as well. So I probably lost four or five medicine balls, stability balls, hand weights, all that kind of stuff. So now I'm doing in-home training before I go to my training studio or in between training studio clients, I'm running to people's homes. That wasn't generating enough money. And it was taking up time driving to their houses. So I did the next logical thing. And I sent out resumes from job positions I saw on Craigslist, I believe it was. 
And I found a fitness chain out of Massachusetts specializing in one-on-one training. And I sent my resume and I sent a letter to a couple of the franchise owners. And I told them about my experience in training and my experience with a training studio. Because at that point, it was about eight or nine months that I had been in that space. And I proposed the idea that I would be a great consultant for them to work with their trainers on training methods, helping their sales team, which was usually one or two other people who are also trainers, in ways to pitch and sell the training. And sure enough, I got a phone call within probably hours of when I sent out a resume. I went to meet with one of the owners, which was 25 minutes away from where my studio was. So I met with him. He liked me. He thought my idea was great. And he said, how many days a week can you work here? Now I was trying to think of how I was going to see my clients, the in-home clients that I had, and then be able to give him, I think it was like 15 hours a week, and then another franchise owners, which was 15 minutes away from there, and how many days a week I could do there. So I was doing three days at both of these two facilities, one-on-one studios, in addition to six days a week, sometimes seven at my facility, on top of three in-home clients, and I think all of them lived about 10 to 15 minutes away from each of the one-on-one training facilities, mine and the other two. So six days a week, I was spread between all those locations, not figuring how much time I was spending commuting, how much money I was spending on gas. And this was a period of time when gas was at an all-time high. And I had a vehicle that burned a lot of gas. So take all those factors and realize that there was not one single mistake here. There were probably four mistakes, five mistakes all rolled into one to again, that downward spiral of how I felt about life, myself. And at this point, I was starting to question myself and ask myself, am I a failure? It sounds like you hit rock bottom with your financial issues and drug issues. Does this drive you to be better? Well, I can tell you that you can still go much further down. (laughs) So that was not rock bottom. I think these tough times are where you really see what you're made out of. And you don't see it when you're going through it because at the moment, you're just thinking my life sucks. And when you're in that moment, you, well, I can speak for me. I didn't take any personal responsibility I thought everyone around me was the issue and I was just having bad luck and it was the economy and I blamed everyone around me except myself. So obviously now you can look back at everything you did and critique it, but while you were in this, did you know what you were doing? Did you feel the path you were going on was not the right path? No, because when you are desperate, you reach for anything 
it's kind of like someone who's drowning. They're flailing their arms, trying to grapple with anything to keep themselves above water. That's what I was doing. I was reaching for any possible opportunity. So if it was in homes, if it was going to another facility because they were going to pay me to, if it was break a law so that you can have more of the medication or drugs that you need to get. Because again, if you know anyone or have ever dealt with any kind of opioid withdrawal, it's a very uncomfortable flu-like symptoms where you can't leave a bathroom and you constantly are sweating and irritable. So when you're taking all of that and then spreading it extremely thin, running around with the amount of stress that I was under, I really didn't know how this story was going to end. So it seems like even though you had issues, you never give up. You're always looking for your next mission. What motivates you? I would say my greatest motivation is fear of failure. And that's why this was such a scary time in my life. I had not ever felt like I had failed yet. And as things got more and more challenging because you can only keep up that pace for so long until you feel like you're going to break. And this can take tolls on relationships. And at the time, my family knew something was up. They knew I wasn't acting myself and I just blamed it on stress. So it then started to affect my relationship with my family, which is the most important thing in my world. And that's when I started questioning, is this rock bottom? And to be honest, that's what made it so difficult for me to get divorced is that was, I would say probably the first time I ever gave up or quit something. Gave up is a better word because I knew it wasn't right and I shouldn't stay married, but I didn't want to say I give up, I quit, I failed at marriage. So I still trying to hold on to a horrible marriage at this stage with all this going on in life. As far as rock bottom, everyone has their own rock bottom. I didn't have to hit rock bottom to the point where it was losing everything because I'm just really happy to still be alive. For more info, visit us at getconnects.com. That's G-E-T-C-O-N-N-E-X-X dot com. On Instagram at connects underscore or on Facebook at connects comma I-N-C. Thank you to our sponsor, Don Pablo, for the highest quality coffee at the best price delivered straight to your doorstep. Find Don Pablo Coffee on Amazon or order direct from DonPabloCoffee.com.